Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today is part two with Matt Dell. Yep, we continue the alphabetical bracket. It's time for Categorized. Welcome back to Matt again from the Here's How It Goes podcast. It is so good to have you with us. I mean, we we've technic- we haven't we have left the room. We're- yeah, we're still in the exact same room. So if our levels are a little strange or we're walking over each other, it's literally because we're not a whole continent away. Yes, I can almost reach out and touch you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Matt, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming and... You know, if you heard our last episode, you understand Matt's responsibility in this. Matt from the Here's How It Goes podcast, thank you for joining us again. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm having a lot of fun. We love your podcast, by the way. Huge fans. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'll just say for anyone who maybe didn't didn't tune into the last episode for some crazy reason, uh, my podcast, we're just starting our seventh season with my one of my dear friends who is also named Matt, Matt Rundle. I'm Matt Dell. And uh, basically our podcast, uh, as Jay said, it's called Here's How It Goes. Started as a look on how much uh, movie trailers are spoiling movies for us. We sit down, we watch the official trailer of a movie, and that's it. We make predictions and um, questions about that trailer. Watch the movie that we just saw, and then come back and see both how well we did and how much the trailer spoiled for us or 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 not and yeah we've been doing like i said about seven seasons you know hopefully you'll check it out we've got a facebook page of the same name which is here's how it goes you can find our webs or our um podcast on any of the places you find podcasts and uh yeah give it a try i think if you like movies and you like what ivana and jay are doing you might find something to like it here's how it goes so matt actually is here for a very important reason this is part two of our alphabetical bracket. On December 8th, 2020, we wrapped up a segment, Ivana and I, called Categorize, where we gave our favorite movie of each letter of the alphabet. And that gave us 52 movies. The whole reason we created Categorized as like a segment of the podcast was to actually come together and build this giant face-off bracket where we would be able to pick our favorites from the category and then have them face off against each other for the ultimate showdown. The winner of Categorized is going to be decided at the end of this bracket face-off. We have no idea what is coming up next on the bracket because we have left Matt in charge of all of it. He is also our super important tiebreaker. Also, just like the voice of sanity, because you've already listened to both of us talk about these movies. It's time to bring in That's a fresh right. voice. That's a good point. Voice of sanity, indeed. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try to keep it sane then. I'll try to keep it sane. <laughs> let's just dive right in. When I say that, let's just let's go for a real debate here, at least in my opinion here. None of this easy peasy Jaws versus whatever it was last episode. Stand by me versus Caddyshack. This is easy to me. This is like oh. the easiest vote on the planet. Oh wow! This what? is a it's tough not easier one. than Jaws and The Hangover. This is this is tough stuff. This is digging deep. This is I understand. Like you'll just look at what was closer to the '90s and pick that. But for for me, this, this is, is this, this is, is a, a real deal. tough one for me. 
Okay, well, why don't I start yeah, you should us go off first, real then, easy? Uh, I'm going to pick Stand By Me. It's a great film. Uh, I really liked it. Jay, you introduced it to me. I don't think I got Caddyshack because um, I watched it only recently. And I think it's one of those movies that does not age well if you have no emotional connection to it. Um, So, you know, I'm going to pick Stand By Me. (laughs) All right. Well, these are both mine. Again, we're starting with two J movies. Uh, Caddyshack is my second favorite cottage movie. And if you're not from Canada... Cottage movies are the movies you watch when you go up to the woods for the weekend and you're in a cottage and it's a rainy day and you you have like six movies to select. Five of them usually have John Candy in them. But it's but true. Caddyshack. It's very, it's a very true. Canadian thing. Very Canadian. But Caddyshack is definitely among those cottage favorites. And ah man, Chevy Chase in his prime. Yeah, oh yeah. This is such a hard movie because Stand By Me is probably my favorite Rob Reiner film. It's a film that treats kids like kids and lets them be kids on screen in a way that is not neutered. I always respect the hell out of Stand By Me for that. Oh, that train dodge scene. I don't know. Well, here you go. I don't know if this is going to make things easier or not for you. I know usually I let you guys chime in. I'm going to just throw my hat in the ring and I'm going with Caddyshack. Holy. Tell us why. Holy moly. Why Caddyshack to me, I've seen this movie so many times. I I couldn't even tell you. I love this movie. I I understand it maybe probably doesn't age well and people of like younger generations wouldn't get it because they don't know who necessarily Bill Murray is or... Chevy Chase, let alone Rodney Dangerfield or anything like that. But Caddyshack is just my classic go-to feel-good, warm, funny movie. I, I get I get that the humor, yeah, like I said, doesn't age well, but I love it. And I love Stand By Me. I'm a big Stephen King fan. I love the, the story of the body. I love, I agree with you, Jay, that this is probably, for me, Rob Reiner's best movie as well. Amazing scenes in this movie. Great performances from from the four boys. But Caddyshack, I think I give the slight edge to. Oh, my gosh. I love this. This Jay. is so hard. This comes down to me now. Sophie's choice and for you. And it's Sophie's you. choice between two of my favorite movies. That's right. I mean, it's in the middle of Rob Reiner's infamous run. But Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack. It's pretty good. There's some classic bits and lines in there. All I can picture is him on the golf course dancing now. I I gotta I gotta go. Jesus, I'm gonna go stand by me. I'm sorry, Matt. No, listen, I'm all right losing this round. It's a tough call. It's a tough call. They're both classics. Absolutely, absolutely, they're both classics. Two or two of the three people. We're leaving Caddyshack behind. That was a that was a tough. Tough first round of this episode. Yeah, that we're is... just going out tough in this. <laughs> oh my god! You do another tough one. We're still in the first round. We aren't even to the second level yet. Oh yeah, it's just gonna get it's just gonna get worse as we go on here. Um, okay, I don't. To to me, this may isn't maybe as hard, but we'll see. The original Die Hard versus Forgetting Sarah Marshall. 
There's not an another Die Hard though, right? There's only the original. Well, yes, well, called Die Hard. It is. It there are like eight of those movies. Oh, they're right. I I see what you. There mean. is Die Hard two. Is it that just called Die Harder? Die Hard two, Die Harder, and then you have Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> you have Live Free or, or Die, die hard. hard. Yeah. It's a good day to Die Hard. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I saw that last one. Uh, you I can, think that's it. You can tune out after the first couple. <laughs> um. Ooh, uh, okay. To me, this is a tough. This is a Sophie's choice to me. See, see I, I, that's what I said. I think this is another tough one. If we're going tough question to tough question, I can understand the toughness here. But to me, I have a, a pick. Do you have a pick, Jay? I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go first. Ah, oh, damn. Okay. And I need you to explain. Yeah, we, we want to watch you squirm for yeah. a minute here. I mean, I just had to choose between my babies, so it's over to you. So. I actually saw Die Hard recently for this categorized like face off and and it's amazing. Like and I also had a professor take us to the Fox lot and then show us oh, Nakatomi wow. Plaza wow. and and like he gave this amazing he's like the best professor I've ever had, really good speaker. That's gave amazing. this really great speech to all of us while taking us on this lot about a the significance of it and of course we're staring at this like life-size mural of Bruce Willis Bruce Willis well, this is the, in, this is his movie this is the movie this is the movie that made him and we're staring at a life-size mural of him inside the vent and it actually looks over at Nakatomi Plaza oh, like that's, that's awesome like, it's got this nice little nod and our teacher is explaining the importance of it and the importance of the building and what it means to him and working at the Fox lot literally in that moment. It was pretty amazing. And and the movie is really amazing. It did a lot of new things for the action genre. And I love action films. So it's it's pretty incredible. And then Forgetting Sarah Marshall is like one of my favorite comedies of all time. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I remember you surprising me with it being your F movie. I mean, I just think the script is incredible. I think that Jason Siegel is a really good writer and actor, and those kinds of roles are really just perfect. The, it was surprising. It was funny. It. I rewatch it all the time. I watch it more than I watch Die Hard. I honestly don't even know how to choose between these movies because <laughs> they're both so good, and they're different genres, so you can't even really compare them. Ugh! I don't know. I mean, forgetting Sarah Marshall, you get to see Jason Segel's dick. You know how much I love nudity that is not sexy. <laughs> like, I think that... We were talking whole... about this before we recorded. Yeah, we were just talking nudity. about what's happening in movies these days with the nudity, and I'm here for it. And he he kicked it off. He was the first one to do this. Okay, so it's a groundbreaking film. But so is Die Hard. Yes, yes so is. is Die Hard. Die Hard is also a groundbreaking film. And I just watched this really interesting YouTube thing about like how production was actually really difficult because they didn't really have the script fully written. Yep. And there's a lot of mistakes in the movie, but they were all just like filmmaking to the best of their abilities. And there's something to be said for that. Hans Gruber. Hans, Hans Gruber. Gruber. Did you know that it was like a bit of a, like a kismet thing of him, of them writing him in to then pretend to be one of the American. Yes. Like, I heard I did about not. This. That's amazing. Yeah, that was like not in the original script. They they discovered that he could do an American accent 
and then decided that that was the way that they were going to go. I love that kind of story. That's the guerrilla filmmaking everybody wants to be a part of. Exactly. This is, I just moved to LA. I'm like making movies. I've done a bunch. There's something about that story, watching it today, it being Christmas right now. I think I'm going to pick Die Hard. Wow. You know what? I love that you brought up Christmas because I I came to an epiphany this this Christmas. If if you're the kind of person listening and you don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then I am taking It's a Wonderful Life away from you too. It is not a Christmas <laughs> movie either because at least Die Hard takes place at a Christmas party on Christmas Eve. It ends with Let It Snow. There are Christmas carols throughout. It's a Wonderful Life is just the ending when he decides not to kill himself. If you are one of the people out there who think that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, you can't take It's a Wonderful Life too. I just I just said it. I just yep. said it. Come said at it. me, bro. Can't take it back now. Come at me, bro. Uh, anyway, I mean, I'm going with Die Hard over Forgetting Sarah Marshall as well because – as much as I love forgetting Sarah Marshall, especially Russell Brand at the at the end when they're all seated, seated around the table and he spills on the drink and he's oh the shirt oh like it is one of the funniest movies that I have ever seen in my life. But Die Hard goes on every Christmas, and John McClane is so iconic. He's in these roles, like the first couple. Absolutely. He's like, an, he's your everyman. Like he's not your typical action. He does become the typical almost superhero action hero in the last couple of these movies. Oh my gosh. He jumps movie, off a like a, 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 a Harrier jet. Yeah. Yeah. We it's won't insane. get there. It's insane. In this one, he's just. He's clever. He's, just he's a, a guy with no shoes. Clever. Yeah. Guy with no shoes and a pack of smokes. I can't remember the actor's name, but he was from Family Matters. He's the father from the Family dad Matters. from Family, Ma- Family Matters. I, yeah. I can't remember Reginald his Val Johnson. Yes. Thank you, Matt. You're That's the, the most the, important person in the, the room trivia. right now. Yeah. I love him on the ground, them becoming pals through the radio. All of it works so well. Ultimately, is a, is a movie about family and responsibility. Do you think that our TSA agent friend from Get Out doesn't exist in this world without Reginald in this Die Hard movie? I don't think he exists in this world without Argyle. Mm, the guy in the limo. The guy in the limo. With the big stuffed bear. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Going into our next matchup here. Let's go. Let's maybe lighten it up a little bit, at least tonally. For the movies, um, let's go original Toy Story versus Kindergarten Cop. Oh, Ooh, that's oh. tough. No, it's not tough. What do you mean it's tough? Um, what do you mean it's tough, Ivana? Kindergarten Cop is a treasure. What do you mean it's a tough call? What are you talking about? It's a very... First of all, Toy Story is... Is Toy Story. It's, it's revolutionary. It's Toy Story. But Kindergarten Cop is also... Is up against Toy Story. It's like, it's infinitely rewatchable. It is such a good movie. I I watch, I actually, I watch it almost yearly. This may be easier than Jaws versus The Hangover. (laughs) Like, look, is Kindergarten Cop a fun movie to have on and watch with your family? And like, it's super silly and great Arnold work. Yeah, it's all those things, man. But it's not Toy Story. The Think about the scene where he's Mrs. Nesbitt and he's going crazy. 
he is a toy, man. This is some real adult level craziness happening in maybe top tier Pixar movies of all time. Of all time. Toy Story is the first. It is pretty damn brilliant, groundbreaking, you know, it's a, not a blockbuster the best. that's it's also not the about best. something. Not the best Toy Story? No. You, you Wait, give that to three? You don't think it's the best? The best Toy Story? No. You, you give that to three? Probably three. What? Yep. I don't think three is all it's crap. And I liked the last one, too, to be quite honest. I didn't even watch four. I liked four quite a bit as well. One does it first, but I don't think it does it best. I think that one... Just think back to watching that in theaters for the first time and understanding that the animation genre would never, ever be the same. Until... True. Oh, my God. Until... Uh, Into the Spider-Verse brought like 2D, I mean, there's also a lot of computers going on, but really brought 2D back yeah. from the brink. Yes. And, but in a whole new way. In a whole, whole new, new way, way of whole course. New way. Um, yeah, I mean, animation was going to be different. I, I'm shocked you think three, three is like, I mean, I didn't watch four. I mean, three, three has. Three is my least favorite. Three. It cannot be your least favorite. It's my That's least clearly favorite. two. That no, is clearly I two. two. I love clearly two. two. I I don't know why I love two. Are you telling me when you watch Andy give Woody to that girl, you are not ripped in half in that scene? No, it's at time the for end him of to Toy Story on. Three. Oh, it's so sad. To go. It's so good, and the way he respond, like the way he takes the responsibility of giving Woody over, like. I didn't have that much clarity in my brain at 18 to be able to like make that girl's life so much better by giving her Woody. Like it's amazing. Amazing. But we're not here to discuss the merits of Toy Story <laughs> 2 or 3. Yeah, really, we want to hear why Kindergarten Cop is better than Toy Story in your brain. God, like I don't know what I'm voting for exactly, but the thing is is that Kindergarten Cop which I think I th- is it the eighties? It feels like the eighties. I don't know. I think it is. I think it's ninety one, ninety two, maybe. Anyway, it's it's so if it's one of the first ones I think that takes the big action star and puts him in a more domesticated situation. It was during a time of uh, you know very uh, specific gender roles and him doing something like this would have been considered very effeminate mm-hmm. and very like groundbreaking. Get to junior though. He did do junior after this. Yes. You want to talk about switching gender roles? Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like this is I'll, I think it was that's the thing is it was really exciting. The kid is adorable. Honestly, I watched this movie recently. It is campy and cheesy and Maybe nothing too elevated, but it is fun and like sincere and Arnold is great in it and the kid is great and the story is stupid in the best way. The the bad guy is, I mean, he has long hair and a ponytail and he wears black trench coats. I don't think you can get like more an 80s bad guy than that. Yeah, it's, very it's just so guy. it's it's so like everything you'd expect, but in a way that takes itself seriously and is charming and delightful. And so I think it's an incredible movie. And in a lot of ways, I have more fun re-watching Kindergarten Cop than I do Toy Story. 
That being said, you know, Toy Story did change movies. It did change. I think this is the only Ivan Reitman film on this entire bracket. That's interesting. It's a weird one to be here. <laughs> what? How about you, Matt? What? What? What do you? Well, listen, I'm a I'm a fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger just in general. Though I will admit, not all his movies are great. I do like Kindergarten Cop quite a bit, and probably rewatchability would put Kindergarten Cop over Toy Story, but Toy Story I think is the better. And my vote is Toy Story. I think I also have to vote Toy Story just because it's technically a better movie and it changed film history. But like Kindergarten Cop almost got my vote, especially because I knew that Toy Story would win. So. Well, don't worry. Toy Story is not going anywhere in the next round. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is the best part. We have no idea who it's going up against. This is Mad has all the power. All right, let's go with Halloween versus V is for Vendetta. These are two J movies here. Mm, yeah, V for Vendetta. Good movies. I watched V for Vendetta recently, actually. And how did and... it hold up? This is one that I have recently been curious to watch. It actually played at the review cinema near me. I t- wasn't able to make it. It was over the holidays and. And I just didn't work out time-wise. But this is something that I want to rewatch. It's been a bit for this one and me. It's so interesting watching it today, knowing what the state of the United States is and how divisive everybody in the world has become Mm. politically, because that's literally the premise of this film, is that a a fascist dictatorship takes over London because of fear spreading from a a global pandemic. Mm Mm-hmm. And are you serious? Yeah, and yeah. that's how they are able to take power. Wow. And I mean, and then you have this one guy who's like, "Yeah, my methods are awful. I am a terrorist, but also this needs to happen. It needs to like V for Vendetta is all about taking down the current establishment because the people have the power." It's really interesting watching it. And actually I watched it and then saw Alex Garland's Civil War trailer and was mm, like, was I wonder if these are going to have similar vibes when they come out. Probably. Um, but with that said, it's Halloween. Like Halloween is it's Halloween. It's Halloween. It's the This is the Rob Zombie Halloween, right? It is sure not the <laughs> Rob <laughs> Zombie one. <laughs> this is John Carpenter. Uh, it's For me, it's Halloween. Halloween is my favorite horror movie of all time. It is... One of the first films after Black Christmas that kicked off horror movies can be, uh, you know, holiday movies, too. We may not have Eli Ross hilariously awesome Thanksgiving if we didn't have Halloween. You could almost say you wouldn't have Scream without Halloween. We might not have Scream without Halloween. So I think that uh, Halloween, at the time being the biggest independent film of all time, I don't know if that stat holds up, but Halloween for me. Hands down. That's my vote. Real easy. These are both mine. Uh, again, V for Vendetta was my V movie. V was a hard one to find movies for. I think it was like Varsity Blues or V for Vendetta. <laughs> and and V for Vendetta is good. However, I recently 
listen to a podcast that went into the comparison of the graphic novel versus the movie mm-hmm. and kind of tarnished uh, the character of, um, what's her name? Natalie Portman. Oh, Natalie, Natalie Portman's Portman. character. A Evie. little bit. Evie. Yeah, the choices that they made in the movie, I think, were less strong than what would have been what is in the graphic novel. Right. And also, you know, Halloween is Halloween. Halloween's I mean, Halloween. It the the POV, the the suspense he was able to create, really. Every single frame, you are scared something will happen. And you're not sure what's going to happen. And it's interesting the elements that he puts together like it's a more complicated story with an interesting backstory even though you don't get to see a lot of it and i love that about it the mm-hmm. way that it's just there and it's enough that it's there um and as you said such a successful independent film so absolutely 100 that is my vote i'm also a horror person you're a horror nut i knew so. you were going with halloween the second matt said it matt are you going halloween as of well of course it's halloween yeah. Halloween, 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 all the time. Okay. The next matchup is A Few Good Men versus X Men Days of Future Past. I think that was my X Men. Yeah, it must have been your X. Your I don't X know movie. why I love that one. I know that's like a laughing stock in the X Men universe, but I, I disagree. I don't think it's a laughing stock. I don't think stock. it's a laughing stock. It's this not, is the time travel one. one. Right? No, it's no apocalypse. Oh, apocalypse God. is the laughing stock. Okay, okay. Well, I I love Days of Future Past. Uh, That's not my vote. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm on a real Sorkin kick right now. I've been watching a lot of his films. I just finished Malice, which was a... The the film he wrote after A Few Good Men, and it's Alec Baldwin in it. Yes. And the way Alec Baldwin, like, wraps into this Sorkin language is awesome. Bill Pullman doesn't really get there. Nicole Kidman doesn't really get there. But Alec Baldwin definitely does. It's also a script he co-wrote. So it's not all Sorkin like a social network or Moneyball or even a few good men. So when the Sorkinese comes out, you're really like, oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. That's his scene here. So I'm and I and I just saw on Broadway or whatever you want to call Broadway here in Toronto. Aaron Sorkin's To Kill a Mockingbird. Ooh. And it was, it blew my socks off. Anyway, that's all to say, I'm on a Sorkin kick. And there's no way that A Few Good Men was not going to win over X-Men Days of Future Past, even though I do really like it. I I saw A Few Good Men actually for the very first time, literally two days ago. So perfect timing for our, our recording. It was unbelievable. Yes. Um, I... I think the thing that struck me the most coming away from the movie was the way that everyone kind of loses and that um, except for kind of our two lawyers. Except Tom Cruise and Demi Moore. <laughs> well, and and the, the opposing lawyer guy, too. He's just fine. That's right. Yeah. And and it's actually him. Kevin and the, Bacon. Yes, you're right. Yes. Kevin Bacon. That's it. And they have that scene at the very end and the two of them basically are like back to work. Yeah. You know, like, and it's an interesting ending for everything especially i think and i th- i love that to me the film was about you have to make choices and you are responsible for your choices and you must make active choices in your life or 
or suffer the consequences. So you're watching this film removed from you can't handle the truth for so long. Now, you know it because of every popular uh, popular culture, zeitgeist, business known to man because forever you can't handle the truth was a meme. It was everything leading into that Colonel Jessup. You can't handle the truth. Mm. Were you riveted as ever as a first time watcher? For sure. Cause I didn't know exactly when, where, how in that moment. I mean, to be honest from the beginning for me, one of my favorite scenes with Jack Nicholson was in the beginning when he kind of like, He's an asshole at lunch. He's an asshole at lunch. And specifically the part where he gets really like the interplay about the log, um, the flight log and the approval to move. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, That little interplay was the most interesting like moment. And I felt like immediately there I was like, oh, I can't wait for you can't handle the truth. You know what I mean? Like it just like served up that volleyball and you were like, ah, I'm just going to watch this for when it spikes. And like, and it does it. it, Like it's so amazing, right? Cause everybody's telling Tom Cruise, if you can't get there, walk away. And then he realizes he can because he's so arrogant. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Guys, goosebumps. It really is a film about making a decision, going for it. And the world will like things will work out, <laughs> and and that and and but also not being stupid in when you make decisions because yeah, if you don't make be a stupid idiot. decision, then you will get like screwed. Totally. I, it's just it's so gray, it's so interesting, it feels really accurate to now. Still, yeah, I can't say anything more. You guys haven't said. I mean, few good men all the way. Yeah, few good men all the way. All right, then, let's go with. Office Space versus Beauty and the Beast. And this is, for people, this is the animated original classic. Did I select Beauty and the Beast? This is an Ivana pick. <gasps> you stole that from me. And is this, I if, I, if I remember, this is the first animated film that went up in a, the Best Picture category. That's right. right. Yeah. The, this was Did the reason. Win? No, no. Didn't think it won. Uh, 91, it would have been... Yes, with wolves. Maybe? Uh, ninety-one, it came out. Ninety-two. Oh, Silence of the Lambs. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. But that's why they have yeah. an animation category. Yes, is because of the uproar got that because they were so the- nervous. They're like, "What are we gonna do? Yeah, how do we how do we combat this?" Well, they did it again with Up. They still put Up in Best Picture, and Toy Story Three was it in still Best happens Picture. occasionally. I think still happens. Into yeah. the, I like into when the they do it. Make it into Best Picture. No. I don't think Spider Verse did, but it so. should. It should have. It's possible that we could see that this year, but mm, I, I don't, don't know. know. Not don't the know. sequel. No, I mean it's still excellent. It just it's isn't not, the first. It's not the first. Sorry. So Beauty and the Beast versus Office Space. So Office Space is for me. It's a family gem. My father would pick up copies of DVDs. Of Office Space, so that if he saw somebody and they said, I haven't seen Office Space, he would have it to give to them to say, you have to watch wow. Office Space. That's impressive. That's right family there. history. Oh, yeah. This is a big family thing for me. Like, if my dad is listening and I go with Beauty and the Beast, he's probably going to text me and say, you you're, and your you're disowned. Go out and smash up fax machines together oh yeah oh, and yeah. and and pc load letters and uh, yeah. did, <laughs> we say that all the time did at your dad work house. at an office oh yeah oh yeah he worked in an office so he just loved all of the 
breaking down of office culture in that way. And it is so funny. Mike Judge office space is amazing. It it made no money. Nobody wants to see it in theaters. It was all on rentals. No, the totally. people found this film. But that was it's back in the day when movie. rentals made money for a movie. Yes. That's right. Back in the back in the the day where you could put out a movie like Office Space and now it's like that's too big a risk. I think Office Space uh. like memes like live longer like almost in the movie. Like there are so many memes from that movie. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a probably a generation of kids who know the memes but don't even know where they're from. That's so true. <laughs> but then on the flip side, my mom and I are huge Beauty and the Beast people. Like we went to see the new Beauty and the Beast together, which because it's so ingrained in what we grew up with, like we went to see the stage show together. Obviously we saw the original in theaters and then we saw the remake. She didn't even blink. She was like, that was lovely. Even though I'm like sitting there cringing at the new one, telling my niece who's five years old, yeah, I just put on Beauty and the Beast for you. And she's like, that's not it. And I'm like, you want to watch the the new one? No, absolutely not. Take that away from you, five-year-old. I love your refusal to let your niece enjoy her movies. Choose her Beauty Did and the Beast. I, I remember you, when she wanted to watch Boss Baby and you were like, no, that is I was not like, absolutely happening. Absolutely not. No, you can watch Moana. I mean, Moana's great. She is, so, that know. is better than Boss Bay. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, so I okay, so I really, I don't know where to go with. Do you know where you're going to go? Do you know what you're going to pick? I'm going with Beauty and the Beast. Okay, I loved Beauty and the Beast growing up. It was she was my Disney princess. So you know, every child picks a Disney princess that that's their one. She was my one because she liked to read books and she was different and nobody uh, shouldn't fit in with everyone. So that was who I was. And so that's my pick. Okay. You can't like that level of like heart connection. There's no, it's not even a question. I mean, I do put on Beauty and the Beast probably more than any other Disney film, to be honest. It is up there like favorite animated movies of all time, if not my favorite. And then there's my dad in Office Space. Mm. <laughs> You're literally like your mom and dad. Yeah, you're I'm bad, choosing, it's a family battle. This is, this is a choice between my mom and my dad. <laughs> oh my god, this is a all right. So what did my mom get me for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go Beauty and the Beast as well. Not to make anyone feel bad, I would have went with Office Space. Oh, okay. okay, tell us why. I it for what Jay was saying about Office Space culture. I find it funny. I find it, for me, it's more rewatchable. Beauty and the Beast, I love and I enjoy being the oldest of the three of us. I think it missed me in 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 a nostalgic way. When Beauty and the Beast came out, I was already like in my, like I was like 14 years old. I was born in 77. So I was starting to transition out of Disney in animation for a while. There's a whole whack of Disney animation in not not this movie, but soon after this that I kind of missed and have rediscovered with my kids, like Emperor's New Groove and Hercules and Tarzan oh, yeah. and all those sort oh, of those ones. Oh, those are great that, ones. Yeah, that you guys were obviously younger than I was. I was at, you know, I'm 15, 16, 17 years old. I'm, I'm moving on to different things and watching different things. So Beauty and the Beast is probably, I don't have like a, uh, you know, a whole Disney animated filmography in front of me. It's probably, though, one of the last... 
that I enjoy, and I do enjoy it and love it. It's got some great moments, got some memorable songs. But again, if it comes down to rewatchability on this one, it's Office Space. I love. It was a heavy rotation when it came out. I mean, I, Office Space really was so much bigger than it it was. And Mike Judge, it, I love Mike Judge. So I'm I'm happy it got a vote. I'm happy this is not a sweep. Yeah, I don't want Beauty and the Beast to sweep. No. Doesn't. Don't you worry. Just, it just gets still gets the boot. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I think I'm just double checking here before I announce this. I think we have one more round before we move into second round movies here. Wow. One more pick, I should say. Match up. They're both J picks here. Up in the Air versus Almost Famous. Oh, that's a hard one too. This is easy. This is easy for me as well. Okay, oh, maybe maybe, should... maybe maybe I should let you guys vote. Maybe I should just like give it to you guys. Yeah, let us take this yeah, from just you. Just like you take it if you guys think it's this easy. I... This as long as me and Ivana are on the same page here. That means, that's the big question. That means that <laughs> Ivan Reitman's kid has two movies on this bracket where he only has one. Yes. <laughs> and this is, in my opinion, the best uh, Jason Reitman film. I think it, no, it's almost famous. Almost famous is the winner. Almost famous is almost famous. Almost yeah. famous. Yeah. Yeah. Almost famous captures a feeling and it's very hard to capture a feeling the way that that movie does. Uh it feels like it's in its time, like in the moment of time, which is great because it was like the past. So it always feels present. It has in its own a way. timeless feel. That's to what it, it is. where up in the air is about the recession that happened in 2008. Yeah, and it is of that time. Yes, almost famous. It's almost like it's a time machine movie that pulls you back. That's to what a it good is. time. And but also just it pulls you back to the feeling of growing up a little bit. Yes, and it pulls you back to learning how to choose to be yourself instead of choosing to play by everybody else's rules um, and be what's cool or be what other you think other people want you to be, which I think is such a great message. I do love when you're in the middle of talking about a movie like we just were. We're, I was talking about Up in the Air and immediately the other movie, like this is what makes this so unique. (laughs) Immediately the other movie, you're like, wait a minute, what am I doing? It's 100% the other movie. And the scene that got me was the Cameron Crowe character and the lead singer are sitting cross-legged in at the end of the film. And he asks, why do you love music? And just that popped in my head while I was saying that this is Jason Reitman's best for up in the air. And I'm like, wait a minute. What am I? I?" It's almost famous. It's a hundred percent almost famous. It's almost famous. Yeah, for sure. This is so great. I'm having such a great time. Kate Hudson in Almost Famous. It's almost like she's not of this planet. Penny Lane. Yeah. Come on. This is the movie that breaks her. She is as unreal and magical and elusive as Penny Lane, the character she creates in the movie. It's crazy. I think she still is Penny. Yeah. <laughs> to she a certain really is. degree. She can't ever not be. <laughs> there that moment where her hand is over the thing and she does the little nose. Ah. Uh. Like, that and she looks up with her eyes. Oh, so great! Jason Lee on the plane screaming. 
Yes. <laughs> so great. He's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. The big roof like jump as like this I'm a golden god. Failure yeah. of what he what like ah oh. That is such a good I'm gonna go home and watch it. I'm gonna watch that I, and Office Space. I haven't rewatched Up in the Air. I saw it in theaters. I loved it. I thought it was saw it in theaters as well. And like beautiful and, and it hit me, but just doesn't have the staying. No. I think I rented the VHS tape from Blockbuster and that was my first watch. Of Almost Famous? Of Almost Famous. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think I wanted to and I just didn't make it out because Cameron Crowe had an influence on me after Jerry Maguire in such a big way. But 2000, what a movie for 2000 to bring in the new century. Ah, what a perf a timeless movie to bring in the 2000s. Great choice. All right, guys. So that takes us, if I'm just double checking here, and I am correct, to the end of the first round movies. Two episodes just to get through round one. I love this momentum we're building into the new year of 2024. It's going to turn into a real bloodbath now. Just so we're clear, because there are 52 movies, an elimination bracket is really hard with 52. There's going to be new movies we haven't even talked about. Yeah, there is a handful of new movies that got to buy the first round that we will be talking about for the first time. And those were like top tier ranked movies. Yeah, these were the high ranking movies from Letterboxd that got to buy first round. So there's going to be some big heavy hitters introduced next round. So you are not going to want to miss it. Come back. We're doing weekly episodes right now while we do this (laughs) special episode. I'm terrified. And we have new movies coming next week. This is going to be insane. So until next time, friends. Do more. Watch more. Thank you, Matt. 